Welcome to the Brave New Workforce, the podcast that is changing the way the world works. I'm Larry Cornett, and I'm joined by my co-host Anna Codina and Trip O'Dell. This is part two of our interview with Dr. Julie Albright. If you missed the first episode, be sure to go back and check it out. Very quickly, Dr. Albright is a digital sociologist who researches the intersection of society, behavior, and technology. She is currently a lecturer in the Departments of Applied Psychology and Engineering at the University of Southern California. In this episode, we continue our discussion of the untethering of digital natives from traditional society and the reshaping of the American dream. And it's funny because the technologists want to find a fit for technology, but you know, as I'm arguing in my book, hey now, I there's think two of us in the room. I know, <laughs> but as I'm arguing in my book, and believe me, I'm the first guy to take a picture of my lunch and post it on Instagram. So I'm not trying to be Amish, you know. But what I am, you know, but what I am right. saying is that uh, I think that to reimagine the city. You know, we have to go back again. We're embodied. We have to think we're creatures right, of nature. Right. We need to bring back the embodied experience. Like you talked about walking in the neighborhood, you know, mm -hmm, these sorts mm -hmm. of things. The arts. Uh, we have to bring back our relationship to the green spaces. There's mm -hmm. study after study that shows that just seeing these green spaces out our window makes us calmer and happier. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's not all about, you know, it's like a, a technology solution looking for a problem. Well, if we put more technology, well, how about if we put more nature, more of our embodied experiences, more of the arts mm -hmm. and technology is there to make it convenient, to make it fun or helpful, but it's not the well, whole picture. And right. just to put you at ease, Larry and I both come from human-centered design, so we're some Thank of the, the, good, the good guys. And I give talks on AI and ethics, and, and that's actually the next thing, because um, right. I, I saw in one of your quotes, you were talking about there are those among us, you know, people that are looking at replacing people with AI and machine learning, and those of us that are looking at how do you elevate and augment. And augment. I think in my own experience, I'm severely dyslexic. I use products that, that transcode, I talk into the mic and it transcodes my thoughts and I use an AI based word processor that makes it better and, and, and it's great. Um, I use it to transcode meetings and that sort of thing so I can take notes. So it's really about scaling capabilities. But I think there, one of the things you talked about around sort of the fear side of it is that there's a lack of boundaries. Uh, you know, you see that with the stock market right now at the whole GameStop is that there's a lack of boundaries yeah. of, of, of what's going on. <laughs> and you look at some of the old sci-fi books like Asimov had rules of robotics. Right. The, these right. are things that yeah. rules could do or robots could do. And I think there's there needs to be like a very pro-human bias towards how AI can actually be applied to certain problems. Because you look at things like self-driving cars Who's at fault when a self-driving car kills a pedestrian? Yeah. Yep. Million dollar question. So, sorry. I There was a question in there somewhere, but I maybe... <laughs> so, see, it's Anna, your ADHD. You're, you're, it's my ADHD. And Anna, you're, all, you're, you're out of the will. Like you, you were supposed to keep me from monologuing on this one. And there I went. No, I was, I think the I was excited for the next point, man. Please. Yeah. I was trying to be good. So... <laughs> the question is, is where do you think those boundaries should we lie? Because I don't think sure. it's realistic to say that 
it's all a free for all or it's all it's you can't do it at all i, I right, think there's a right. there, there needs to be a line well i think i'm really glad to hear you say the word ethics because that's what's been on my mind lately and i've been in conversation with um deb donig who's at um who you might want to bring in in fact she has started a new ethics and technology lab at cal poly um slo and so i've been in conversation with her about this and you know things like yeah do we want uh you know ai inside when we're dealing with something should should ai uh, agents have to identify themselves as such versus us thinking we're talking to a person you know these are all questions to be determined and you know, I think that uh, I've been working with um, or, you know, in conversation with some companies in New York, for example, that are creating digital employees. Now, to think that that's not going to wipe uh, jobs off the map is is a little bit you know, naive, I think. So the idea is, uh, again, going back to these future societies, you know, what do we do with all these folks? I mean, can we upskill people that are getting you know, and that's another kind of an ethical thing. Do we have any responsibility to those that are getting displaced by these faster, you know, working 24-7 employees uh, that, you know, can handle 15,000 HR requests at the same time, whereas you can handle one, right. you know, right. never takes a break, doesn't go on yeah. strike, doesn't come in and, you know, shoot up the office. You know, there's a, there's a lot of potential benefits to that, I could see. You know what I'm saying? Well, so Julie, isn't UBI well, going to fix well, all that? Well, that's the question. I mean, but the question, you know, but UBI, <laughs> so, I've actually given talks debate. on that yeah, and yeah. thought a lot about that. And the problem with UBI is it's it's designed by technologists in general, meaning that, well, yeah, we'll just yeah. throw money at the problem. But what that, I guess, you know, part of that is I, I want to say like growing up in the neighborhood I did. You know, my dad at one point said to me, I'm so glad that you and your brother are good kids. My friend's kids are all, you know, on drugs and drunk and, you know, and I, I call that the ennui <laughs> of the rich. And, and the point of it being is I grew up seeing these right. kids that had nothing to do and all the money in the world. And guess what they were doing? They were bored out of their mind. You yeah. need you need to have mm -hmm. purpose. You need to have the meaning purpose. in your life. You need to have something like that for your for your own mental health. Otherwise, you're just spiraling downward into oxycontin world, you know, sort of thing. So, well, and it and it it trends it trends to surface. Yeah. So, I mean, so like point it, being, yeah, sure. we need to rethink the UBI picture, which is this: it's not just about throwing money at a problem. What will people do other than sit there stoned out of their minds looking at television all day long? What are they going to do? They have to have meaning and purpose. How do we reinsert that, which they got perhaps from right. work, you know, and to say like people right. aren't, you know, there's people doing jobs that maybe some technologists would say, oh, there's a truck driver. They're not self-actualized. Well, maybe that's what they wanted to do in life. Maybe that is self-actualized for them. And now you're going to take their job away with the AI-powered vehicle that's going to drive itself and put this guy out of work. And one of my mentors, a CTO of Chevron, he was talking to somebody. He goes, well, you know, what, what about when all these trucks are automated? And the guy goes, well, you know, they can't get very far when we shoot out their tires and we got all the guns. <laughs> you know what? He's got a point there. <laughs> 
So, so really just full, full disclosure, when I was at Am- Amazon, I worked on both Alexa and uh, Amazon Logistics. So it's, it's, uh, your you know, fault. it's probably Trip's part of the problem. You know, I'm part of the problem. <laughs> so that, yeah. that kind of kind of brings us full circle when in the very beginning of the podcast, you were talking about depression rates and all these things happening that, you know, is is that do you think that's correlated? Cor- cor- yeah, correlated? 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 Correlated. I swear. Corrugated. Tongue I swear. twister city. <laughs> I swear I haven't been coloring, coloring uh, with my crayons. And has um, been pandemic drinking again. No, no, maybe no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Is there is there a connection there um, because of this lack of purpose? You think? Yeah, I think that you know that's part of the issue, and you know I talk about a lot of. It's sort of more complex or nuanced changes going on around time, time compression, not thinking of the future. Um, you know, they used to tell kids in college, like, you know, get ready for three or four careers in your life. You know, you're going to have one career, then another career. Well, now, you know, people right. are sort of patchworking things together, gigging part time here and there. They're not at a long career for years and years and years. And I think it's it's suppressed people's ability to set those longer-term goals that, in my mind, act as a kind of pull factor toward the future, a kind of north star that orients yes. you, this is where I'm going. I, and that's what's been erased, and we need to reinsert that again. Longer-term goals, short-term goals that are achievable, so you have a pathway forward, and that's part of it. I, th- I think there's... There's a sense of hopelessness right. to a lot of these uh, people under 30 because it's like I barely can make enough money for rent. And when I make enough money for rent, I can barely make enough money for food. And then that's why they're gigging and that's why they're doing all these extra things because right. they just don't have the money. And then um, there's also systemic stuff happening in the world today where, you know, some people, a certain my minority or majority feel like they can't get ahead because X, Y, Z person is getting all these handouts or vice versa, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it just seems like all the odds are stacked against you um, so that you don't even have a future forward plan. You know, I, st- I met with somebody with who was working three jobs and working more more than 80 to 100 hours a week. And he's under 30. And he's just like, I'm. I can't even have kids because all my tax money is going to these handouts. And like, you know, whether his opinion or not was valid, it's, it's still an opinion that he's having where it's difficult to succeed. And it's like, if you can't even have kids, what is the point of even trying? Like, what's the point? What's the point? And I'm not saying family is like the end all be all, but it's like you can't even move to a future perspective where a lot of, you know, a lot of people who, who are ready to have kids are thinking in the future mm-hmm. perspective. And, too, I, and I think the whole key is here and tying back to what we were saying was this is where we're at now, exactly as you're describing. Now let's add these AI and all these, you know, artificial employees to the mix, right. wiping out further these opportunities. So how do we create new opportunities? How do we rethink cities and life so that they're humane? They're livable, they're joyful, enjoyable, healthy, you know, all these kinds of things. And and again, you know, reclaiming our bodies, reclaiming our relationship to nature. You know, COVID rolls through. Guess what the number one thing is that keeps you from dying is vitamin D. Where do you get that from going outside in the sun? 
You know what I'm saying? And that's Sunlight. what people aren't doing because they're driven <laughs> yeah. inside gaming yeah. and on devices and they're not doing these things. And eating fresh foods and the vitamins that you mm-hmm. get from that is what protects you from COVID. So these things aren't just nice to have. These are these are critical to our lives in a sense. So, you know, how can we rethink um, life when we've gotten this moment where people are redesigning societies? I think it's going to be a lot harder than they think it is. Um, you know, there's this is a whole other discussion, but, you know, setting up a whole society. Yeah. How does this work? How does this new society look? Are we doing a burning man in the middle of, uh, you know? wherever i don't know i was just picturing a hippie well that's what i'm saying you know (laughs) well and and that's and that's that that, that's something that i i wanted to come back on because you said something that i absolutely agree with which is the the you know what are you going to do when all the trucks are self-driving well the truckers have all the guns i think there's an element of uh, what are these tech? What are you going to do when the tech companies automate everything? Well, the governments have all the armies, uh, you know, and the laws and, and those sorts of things. And I think there's there's a there's a piece, and you know, there's a couple of things. Like I've been involved in fundraising uh, in a startup, and I've had some great conversations with venture capitalists and and people, and I've had some pretty terrifying ones because. I think in one is very much of a, a dude bro with the, the Stanford baseball cap and talking about like his background on zoom was Westworld. And he's like, I want to invest in anything that results in that. And I'm like, uh-huh. hard no. Right. Uh, because, because I think there is an element of like the way that we've set up the way the corporations have to act in the best interest of investors and for maximizing profit. That's, that's a, a badly out of whack set of incentives mm-hmm. and you know you probably have a lot more discussions with policymakers and 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 politicians or whatever as much as you're able like what what are what are those conversations like do they have any clue of what we're facing well i'm more um in conversation i'm in conversation with some folks like that but i'm in more often conversation with the tech folks themselves and you know I, I'm there as the voice of of the person, I think, you know, to try to sort of balance. And again, I'm not trying to throw out our devices or anything like that, but my forte is to kind of look into the future and see what trends are going to amplify and to comment on those trends and say, hey, you know, there's an iceberg ahead. You know, my point is for business leaders, for politicians and all, to navigate this landscape that we're heading into. We're, We're now in this digital moment, but as that starts to amplify, new issues come up. Like, like exactly, there's almost a set of perverse incentives, um, and and to you know wipe out employees and replace them with AI employees, it could be quite uh, lucrative, you know, for for corporations. Sure. So, I mean, let's right. not kid ourselves here. But what do you do? So, you know, part of what I'm trying to do is is work to upskill people. Um, certainly. As digital infrastructure uh, broadens and increases and things become smart, more and more things, we need people that can run these systems, work on these systems. That's where there's going to be a ton of jobs, all the way to construction work, electricians, plumbers, like from the hands-on all the way to the coders, tons of jobs. But how do we connect the dots between people that are looking, possibly despairing, as we were talking about before, and the opportunity on the horizon in these areas. So, so that's where, you know, the, the trick lies. And I, I'm trying to make bridges there. But, uh, you know, I call it the best jobs nobody knows about. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I was just going to mention, I mean, you're an educator as well, and you know, it's at the university level, but I'm sure you have some thoughts on how do we solve that problem? Because I think one of the biggest problems I'm seeing, because I have kids in college and, and one's in graduate school, and they're definitely seeing a disconnect between what they're learning and what the world is asking, <laughs> much more so, I think, than we experienced. I'm Gen X, you know, so I didn't see as much of a disconnect. But how do we reshape our educational system to better prepare people for what's going to be happening in the 10, 20 years after versus lagging, which is what's happening right now. That's a lagging education. And before I really want to hear this answer, but Anna, you're on point. We're talking about education and technology. This is, this is, this is prime monologuing territory. So just (laughs) watch out. Okay. I'll I'll bring out the whip. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Well, you know, I mean, I'm only one person, but I do have the backing of a lot of people that are amazing. Um, and, you know, one thing we're going to try to do is is an education summit to bring together, you know, administrators like deans, uh, professors and things to help them to understand what the opportunity space looks like and, and what skills are needed and what kind of training and education is needed. So we're going to start right, doing that right. this spring um, and hosting that with infrastructure masons and you know, we'll go forward from there. Uh, we're working with some of the HBCUs already. We're working in East LA with Cal State Los Angeles and partnering with other institutions um, down in Texas, um, the UTs, to to do just that. Um, again, I'm one okay. person in our group. There's a few people, and you know, we're we're trying to amplify that message, but we're going to keep trying to get that message out. I'm working on another book that will kind of talk about this as well, but certainly all the way to the ethics trip, which I think is very important. We've been talking about having, you know, folks that understand that and philosophers and all that, that talk about ethical technology at the table during the development of these new technologies. We need all these kinds of things. So um, to create a society that helps us to be our best humans selves and not oppresses us to be, um, you know, there's this idea of humans becoming second-rate machines, you know, and, and that's, right. that, that's right. you know, that's kind of what the, the downside could be, that we're just second-rate machines to the AIs and to the robotics and, and things like that. We need to figure out how we can still be, you know, relevant in, in the food chain when we've got these things that yeah. are sort of wiping out jobs. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm glad I to agree. I'm glad to hear that because you know, whack jobs like Ray Kurzweil who wants to upload our consciousness at death onto the internet. I mean, Singularity. You, you, <laughs> yeah, when you when you when you really think about sort of the nth degree of what that means, it's takes all of the incentive out of life. Like it's it's a game. It's like it just kind of keeps going and going and going, and there's no pressure to ever evolve or to get better or to become more in the, in the time frame that you have. Uh, and I think one of my biggest frustrations with education, Larry, I, I've, I've had a very interesting career, Larry will tell you, but the, uh, that <laughs> I used to be a teacher. Up, <laughs> yeah, I used Keep to be a teacher. Punchy. When and, I was a I, young boy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I used to be a teacher. And one of the biggest frustrations for me was like, we aren't rethinking how we're teaching with the technology. We're not actually, we're, we're kind of just taking lectures and we're putting it on Zoom as opposed to rethinking the pedagogy and the method, method, methodology. 
I just got excited thinking about something because it's like um, in the last few months, I've really gotten excited about the whole passion economy. And I noticed you talked about that in your book. And it makes me start to wonder if the platforms that are being created, the Patreons of the world and so forth, maybe will enable a whole new renaissance of people being able to support themselves through things that have been really hard to do in the past decades. It's been hard to make a living as an artist, as an author, as a musician. It's becoming increasingly hard. It's become commoditized. But there seems to be, in some ways, the pendulum swinging to people are tired of mass-produced experiences and, and consumerization. And now these little niche artists are starting to come into their own. And I wonder if there's a way forward for a lot of these people to say, become be a, a part of this creator society, this passion economy, and monetize yourself. So it's the individualization of business. It's the one business of one person. And I wonder if there's an opportunity there as these factory jobs disappear. Yeah, I want to put a little bit of context because I was surprised to see in your book um, that uh, my a, a huge portion of millennials want to be bloggers and YouTubers. Like that is a aspiring goal. I feel like perhaps in you know Larry's Mass generation, yeah, Larry's yeah. generation, it might have been like I want to be a celebrity or on the movies. I want to be on MTV. I want to be on MTV. I just wanted to graduate <laughs> college. <laughs> that so and I want to know where the kegger was. Yes, that's about. So it. there's like a huge shift where it's like I want to be an independent creator. I want to be a digital nomad. I want to travel the world on a full time. Blah blah blah. So. Um, yeah, to, to piggyback on Larry's point, that was one of the surprising things that I saw, that this is actually like a huge desire. And only something like 3% was making it as a writer or oh, – yeah. small. What, yeah, and I guess I fall into that, and I was surprised about that too because I was like, oh, that's – You're successful, Anna. You're successful. Yeah, I am apparently successful in this field because <laughs> I've been a digital person for the last you know 10-plus years now, and who knew this is this is the – this is the dream boat that I'm living in. <laughs> <laughs> Costa Rican dream boat. Yes. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're seeing the <laughs> Etsy's of the world and, and, you know, in the world of, of mass produced, there is a desire for the handcrafted, the handmade, and, there, and there's, a you know, the handmade soaps that you get at the farmer's markets and, you know, these, these crafted things. And I think that is our you know, innate desire for the human to remember that we're human, to re to have the touch of, of the yeah. hand on, on, you know, stitching the leather or something. We, we, there's a pleasure in that again. And again, it goes back to tactility in the body. We've evolved hundreds of thousands of years to, to be embodied creatures. Right. We're not in 13 years gonna or 25 years or whatever mark you want to put that at, gonna <laughs> just throw that out the window and people that think we are are, right. are misguided well and it's it's somewhat a form of uh status signaling uh i remember when i visited india for the first time for work and i had a friend that was taking me around and he was just amazed that i wanted to go to these handicraft markets and like have things that were handmade and and Absolutely. sort of unique and even slightly flawed he's like why would you do that here all we want are uh factory made goods because like that's how people know you, you people don't put that stuff in their houses and it was it's this it's this different display of wealth it's the it's display of experience display of breadth 
that we're maybe aspiring to where in up and coming economies, it's more about how do you know? Well, maybe you've that's made it. A, a sort of a, you know, the U shape, you know, where we've come over that hump and are going down the other side. But I, I think it's, you know, you talked about right. a pendulum before, you know, between, you know, nature and culture, between the human and technology. And I think, you know, we've swung so far into the digital that I think there's a yearning to swing back to rebalance and, uh, and, and in fact, remember the human in, in the midst of a digital society. Yeah. There's always another tweet in the scroll, Larry. Put down the Twitter. <laughs> I, I'm happy to put it. I've told people that you'll know when I've made it when you never see me on social media ever again. I throw my phone into the ocean, go off into the mountains, never come back. I'd be happy to That's do that. my dream, too. That's my dream, too. <laughs> well, um, we should probably think about wrapping yeah. this baby up, guys. Well, I was just going to ask Julie where there's a couple of things you're working on. So you have the podcast that you have. It's, is it called yeah, The Great called Reset? Yeah, the Reset, Reset the podcast? Salon podcast. And it's a, it's, it's a way we've had this uh, salon since COVID lockdown so that we could really find our way through these challenging times and have all kinds of different, all walks of life coming through and talking about their experience of it and, and try to amplify positivity. So it's our way to open the doors to our private salon so that, that the rest of the public can cool. um, benefit from these learnings as well. Fantastic. And you said, I don't know how much you can tell us. Maybe you could tease us a little bit with the book you're working on. You have another, she's, She writes a book like every 30 days, I think. It's incredible, but yeah. <laughs> I am working on a book um, that'll be co-authored by Dean Nelson, who uh, was the fellow that ran the infrastructure for Uber and eBay and PayPal and others. He's a real rock star behind the scenes making our world run. And it's cool. looking at taking from devices to the next book is taking a more global look at what it means to connect to everybody. And I'm going to look at everything from, mm. um, you know, the green sustainability aspects of that to the ethics, to arts and architecture and how that all fits together in digital societies and, and where we're going in the future, where we thought we were going and where we are now and where right. we may be headed. So it's really going to look at, at digital connectivity on a more global scale. Very cool. Looking forward to that. Well, Julie, I just wanted to thank you again for joining us today. It's like, you know, loved having you here. What you talk about and what your book is all about. So much on point with everything that, that we talk about in this podcast. So again, folks, it's called Left to Their Own Devices, How Digital Natives Are Reshaping the American Dream. Go look for it on Amazon, even though Trip was responsible for Amazon. It's okay. We don't blame I you. didn't. I wasn't. I was only responsible for the good parts. Uh, <laughs> oh, convenient, convenient. Yeah, exactly. That's what and an evil genius would say. Well, uh, no comment. Uh, <laughs> Julie, thank you so much. This was a fascinating conversation, and you should always feel free. We would love to have you back at any point. You know, the co-host seat is always open. We would, we would love to <laughs> exactly. just hear you come and talk we'll about your dog. Yeah, I was going to say, you. are we kicking I'm okay you with that. What do we do? I'll, I'll disappear into the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be gone. Oh I'll be gone. Oh, my God. Thank you it's so okay. much for having me. It's been so, a wonderful conversation. So, Anna, where can they learn more about us? Uh, yeah, we have a website called thebravenewworkforce.com or thebraveworkforce.com. I don't even Brave remember now. <laughs> <laughs> you can email me. 
at Anna at thebraveworkforce.com. Um, I read every email you get. If you have a question, if you'd like to hear a topic, um, if you'd like to know more about Tripp's extensive education experience, I don't know if we've <laughs> talked about it enough yet. Probably uh, not. Please, Probably not. <laughs> please let me know. I will read it. Look, I, and I, I will have let damage, it know. Anna. I'm just damaged about it. And by the way, folks, Anna will not read your email. We read your email. It was very big brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, trip. Have a great week. All right. Is that is that really our lo- walkout sign now? That's Have not a our great walkout week? trip. Come on, trip. What is Walk this? Walk us out. Walk us out, trip. We've got 30 episodes in the can. You still why, can't get this together? Why why would I walk out alone <laughs> when we can keep all keep putting one foot in front of the other <laughs> better days are ahead? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>